Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sorry about the noise. My neighbor's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today on 1629 SEN Hobart. Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Good Friday morning and welcome to another big edition of Jack and Payne with me, Jack Revolt, and the Australian Test Captain, Tim Payne. Thanks to our friends at Harrison Agents, Tasmania's real estate experts. Payne, how are you, mate? Very well. Good morning, Jack. Good to be back for another week. Big, um, yes, big week. Looking forward to some grand final chat. Yeah, a bit of grand final chat, a bit of reflections. We, of course, had Ben Brown on the show last week. Uh, well, on the Friday before the grand final, which was good of him to come Did? on. And I think I tipped Did you say he'd kick three? Four, I said. Four. No, so oh, it was four, was it? Oh, let me off. down. Let me down. Credit there. No, no. He missed me. a couple too, didn't yes, he? Yes, I know. I would have kicked them. But uh, no, three for big Ben Brown and then... Obviously, some uh, some amazing scenes post the grand final and some amazing scenes during the grand final as well where the Bulldogs looked like they were going to take away a victory. But, of course, a, a, I reckon nearly the most dominant piece of, uh, of AFL football or quarter and a half of yep. AFL football saw the Melbourne Football Club run out convincing winners in the end and break that 57-year premiership drought. Yes, yeah, so it was. The second half was a whitewash, wasn't it? Let's be completely honest. It was like... Um was it the Port who got absolutely belted yeah, in that grand final? 119 points, I think Port got beaten by. It was very, long. very similar to that. And Mate, I can't help but feel a little bit um, responsible for it because I was starting to text. Well, you know, halfway through the second quarter when Bont spun onto his left foot and kicked that goal around his shoulder, I yep. thought, this is game over. And game I was texting over. him, how good's Bont? How good's Bont? And then the game just gone. Yeah, gone. It, it happened pretty quickly as well. It was just sort of like... It, it? I think it sort of crept up on people a little bit that all of a sudden... I think three-quarter time was coming around and still wasn't a massive, massive uh, margin, but just got to the point where it was out of reach and the yeah. the, the Ds were uh, clearly the best team all year and uh, have taken away uh, a great victory. Payne, are you were pretty interested, though, in the celebrations post the grand final? Yes, I was. I was, and I know you're a bit of a veteran of it these days, Jack, with the three you've got, so I wanted you to take us a little bit inside to the feelings that sort of that moment in a grand final, firstly, when you know you've won it and you're all out on the ground and I'm sure you're starting to chat to the opposition a little bit. So so from that moment to up getting your medal to the minute where you all go up and raise the cup together, we can start with that and then we'll build into the next few days and how that umpire. I mean, it would have been slightly different for Melbourne being over in, in Perth, although it did look a lot like some Richmond celebrations from them, to be honest, but we'll get to that. So take us through that first moment. When you know, when you're on the team on the ground and you know you're about to win a premiership. Yeah, so 2017 didn't really know until the last two minutes, just for the fact that we hadn't been there, and there was obviously a big hoodoo that you were so you always start counting the minutes. And you're like, oh, but it, it finally took the time to look at the clock and see that the 28 minutes had gone. So that was when I'd known that we'd won that one. Uh, 2019, 
even at three quarter time, we were ten goals up, and you were still like, "Oh, well, they've just got to kick a goal every sort of two and a half minutes, three minutes." But um, <laughs> <laughs> sort of, I think early on in that one, we we knew it was we knew it was over that one there. So that was that was very enjoyable, and then. The last one, I obviously came down the last two minutes when I jagged that one from the boundary right in front of Ben yep. Fagan was actually watching. Uh, was he? What, right, he was second row back yelling at me and uh, didn't hear him, but kicked that one from about 40 on the boundary and then sort of carried on a little bit and we knew that it was over then. So a bit of bit of finger pointing action there. and was. But it's always it's a, it's a great feeling. There is no better feeling on a football field than the, you know you've got it won and um, you start to just have fun and, and, and really enjoy it. And, and usually you play better football when you're enjoying it in that last bit as well. So Do you, do you get stuck into the opposition or do you let them go? Or are you more worried about y- yourselves at that point? Nah. Or does it depend on who it is and what's been said? Uh, well, I haven't had too many run-ins in grannies where we've been down and, and then they said something said to me. So it's sort of... Don't dish out too much, but you save yeah. it for for when you play them the next time, or they might get a bit lippy and and whatnot. But uh, no, I haven't had too many run-ins there um, on grand finals, but just got a few things saved in the memory bank. I had a, I had a massive run-in with Nathan Jones once, and then we ended up doing fox footy on Saturday together before <laughs> the game as well. So, but uh, it's 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 funny. You, you generally find football clubs everyone's pretty similar when you when you roll yep. around and they're all Absolutely. the same. So no, no no better feeling, Painy, than the, the last few minutes when you know you've got it won. What about, um, obviously you're on social media, have you been watching the Demons celebrations and was there, I've heard a few Richmond supporters say there's a bit of deja vu about this, I feel like I've seen it before. I wasn't surprised, uh, I was surprised that Fisher didn't crop up out of there, I thought yeah. he, might have, he might have read his head, but uh, a few things caught my eye, Alex near Neil Bullen, he played a fantastic grand final, he, uh, he went the American style uh, champagne Ski goggles Goggle. set up. He was, he, that's, yep. that's very, very confident. And, and I mean, yep. um, it's what's for me to talk after teeing up the killers as we found out last week pretty early on into the week if I was going to win that we were going to get up. I was going to get up on stage. But he's, he's run the uh, ski goggles there, so he was expecting yep. to, to that's win. A, that's NBA though, isn't it? That's a bit of NBA. Yeah. Oh, just American yep. sports in general. I think the baseball like as well. Yep. See the photo of Angus Brayshaw just lighting up a uh, big Cuban in yep. the middle that's of the Michael ground. That's Jordan. Seen it before? I've just Australian sport never seen someone light up a big Cuban cigar. That was uh, no. that was quite enjoyable. He, he looked like he he went he celebrated well from what I saw. Angus Brayshaw. He's gone up in my books yep. from what I saw of him over the weekend. Yep. But. When we're looking to actually try and get Christian Petrarca on the show next week because he's involved with the young Tasmanian man and something happening there in the future. So we've put out a line to Christian. And we're hoping to have him on next week's show. Well, the D's have arrived back in Melbourne, Painy. They have landed back here in Victoria. And I don't know why they've come back, to be honest, because it's pretty miserable over here in Victoria, <laughs> Victoria at the moment. But Max Gorn spoke to the media at the airport yesterday. Our team name is the name of the city. This is the city we're from, and um, I'm excited to be back. Even though I can't see anybody, I feel like everyone knows now the Cup's home. But it would have been pretty special to do this all in Melbourne. And um, you can sit there and go, oh, what a, what a shame we didn't get to do it in Melbourne. And go, oh, let's just do it in 2022. Pretty confident there, Max, but um, interesting I that like he's uh, he's come back to Melbourne and unfortunately can't see anyone, but no doubt the Melbourne Football Club will have a big gala day for the uh, supporters, the members and the families to all go down and celebrate their hoodoo that they've broken after 57 years. Painey, this is a question you always ask post a grand final is, where do you see the, the two teams that uh, that played in? Obviously, a big loss and can be very deflating for a football it club to, to be smacked like that. And you think maybe Giants 2019 got beaten by 81 points against the Tigers yep. and sort of took yep. the wind out of their sails. Do you think they'll both stay up the, the top end there? 
I think they've got the players too. There's no doubt. We'll ask Maxi. They'll be playing in the grand final. Again, the Melbourne will be hard to beat. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the Bulldogs, I think you raise an interesting point because you look at the Giants, dropped away a little bit. Uh, you looked at the Adelaide Crows after a pretty deflating loss, dropped away a lot, albeit with a, a camp in the middle. But I think when you're on the biggest stage uh, in any sport and the anticipation and the excitement about the potential of winning that and doing something special and then to get so close and to get absolutely wiped off the field, it can it can take a really strong group and some really strong leadership to, to bring your group back. And I think in Beveridge and Bontempelli, they've probably got that. Uh, but the proof will probably be in the pudding next year. But there's no doubt the quality of player I think the uh, the Bulldogs have got as well. So I'd expect both of them will be uh, playing late in September next year. You're right. What do you I think, reckon? I think it's a good form line. The D's are playing some played some great footy this year, and I think if if they can uh, continue on that path, they'll be very hard to beat next year. And of course, the Bulldogs. I think they're growing nicely, the Bulldogs. Uh, Marcus Bondapelli wins his fourth best and fairest during the week, and you think he's only 26, I think, 25 or 26, and he's won yep. four best and fairest and finished in the top three and seven best and fairest as well. He's bloody good playing. Looked like he was, he looked painy, didn't he? Like he was going to take home the oh. North Smith and single handedly dragged the Bulldogs over the line in that grand final on the weekend. One thing. He's a beautiful player to watch. Do you, do you know, uh, is it, if Melbourne lost their fitness man? Has he gone uh, I think he to has. the Adelaide Crows? I think he has headed to the Adelaide Crows. Um, so he's coming for one year? No, no. Darren Burgess has been there, there for, for two? a couple of years, I think two or three. So, Jeez, I'm uh, surprised they've let him go. Loves, it, loves the airtime, Darren Burgess. I've seen him he in, is, in, but he's obviously as well. He, yeah, he's very confident. You can tell that in his in his work on some of the, I think it was a doco I saw, but he's clearly, I mean, Simon Goodwin and the coaching staff will get a lot of the credit for, and rightly, show, rightly so, but I think he's behind the scenes had a huge influence on on the style of footy that they've been able to play. Yeah, you know, you're and right. how long they can play it for. So he's been involved in footy for a while now. He's at the Arsenal Football Club in the English Premier yeah. League, I think, for a while, though. So highly regarded and heads to the Adelaide Crows and a big part of the, the Demons' build-up and the Demons' success this year. Well, Paney, if there's one thing that we know on this show is we know how to get a headline out there. Of course, James Faulkner sent ratings all around the world and sent Jack and Paney right over the globe. But last week we had Alastair Clarkson on the show and he said that he wanted to coach Tasmania and would be happy to do it. And no, well, the story dropped and literally an hour later, our man Peter Gutwin, the Premier of Tasmania, was on the phone to Clarko and he's making it happen, isn't he? He certainly is. How exciting. Alistair Clarkson coaching the Tasmanian, what are we, the Devils? The Tasmanian Devils the in Devils. 2026. Yeah, well, Paney, I've got some audio here of Alastair Clarkson last week. Would you entertain coaching the Tasmanian team in its first year or being the first coach of the Tasmanian AFL team if it was granted a licence and started in the season 2026? Yeah, well, it de- depends where I'm at and what I'm doing at that point in time. Um, but, yeah, we, we, without a doubt, you know, the... Um, but, but also, there, there's some other guys out there like like Bolts and Fags. Both, both would be great candidates. You know, if it's a if it's a, a, a Tassie guy that you want to coach the club, then you've got two rippers there. You know, both those guys I can see in really really strong roles for the Tassie side, either in coaching or in football administration, setting up the setting up the club. But you know, it, because it is six years away, um, who knows what we're all going to be doing at that point in time? But uh, but certainly from this far out, you know. If, uh, if I were, if I was unemployed like I am now, um, I'd be putting my hand up big time to to get involved in some such an exciting venture. I I think it's a no-brainer for the AFL competition, and it's a no-brainer for Tassie to roll their sleeves up and, and get behind it. You know, the Premier's heard that painy, and he is he's basic. I think he's already offered him a contract. To be honest, 
no doubt. He's got it? him on speed dial. He has got him on Peter. speed dial. And, uh, Absolutely no doubt. We know. And as you would, what did he say? No-brainer. Yep. That was one thing. Us, Without a doubt. Our. Us, we. He's got his backroom staff in place. Brendan Bolton and Fags ready to go. We've got the dream team. Um, and I totally agree. We'd, we'd love to get some prominent Tasmanians in some key positions. But, but for me, they can just slot in behind Clarko. Very nice. Very nice. Well, we have got a big show today. Uh, before I go any further, I actually want to shout out to Ryan Wiggins, who I know uh, the Tasmanian footballer, unfortunately, broke his neck. He's over here in hospital at the moment. I've been FaceTiming a little bit, but he's going to be listening to the show, so I promised I'd give him a shout-out. So shout-out to you, Ryan. Uh, later in the show, though, we've got we've got, oh, we've got got a very, very strong list. We've got Peter Siddle, and he's got some big shoes to fill, Payne, because uh, last he time does. we had a Tasmanian cricketer on the... Uh, on the show was James Faulkner. And, uh, well, and I've made him aware of it too this week. I've been letting him know that we need him to deliver some big headlines. Big headlines, because that's what we're about. And James Faulkner certainly dropped a few bombs and threw a few grenades <laughs> about a few weeks ago. We're going to have Flash Lithgow on for the whole second hour. He's just moving in Oof. nicely, making his way. You'll probably hear him clanging around the back of the show here in the first Can you hear hour. Him? Haven't heard him yet, but you might hear him soon clanging around in the background. And uh, racing is on the agenda. It's that little bit of that time between the end of the AFL season and cricket just kicking away. But, of course, racing is at its fullest. In spring, we will have Tasmanian jockey Craig Froggy Newitt. This is Jack and Paney on SEN. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today on 1629 SEN Hobart. Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to Jack and Payne on SEN Hobart and right across the country on the SEN app. It's Trade Week. Payne, you can catch all trade all trade things here on Trade Radio on SEN, but interesting times, interesting times in Very. the AFL world. Very interesting times. Love Trade Week. It's actually one of the times, Jack, I actually like to turn the radio on and have a bit of a listen. And I'll tell you what, coming up later in our show today, we've got the resident football, AFL football Nostradamus. He's going to take us through everything we need to know about Trade Week and our man David Flashlithgow. I said nothing. Oh, my God. (laughs) Mate, how he hasn't got a list management spot at an AFL club is, is beyond me. But anyway, we'll make use of him in the second hour. And by the end of the show, he may do. But... Um, I think we have a little bit of a discussion about it, Jack. And obviously it looks like this year the trade period is going to be a little bit quieter than it has been in the past. Can you explain to us a little bit about why that will be the case? Uh, I think at the moment there's most clubs are pretty tight on their salary cap. Um, you look at Jordan Dawson, who's going to leave Sydney. There, there really isn't like a clubs that have got, uh, and clubs that are in contention that have got, say, Six hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars to go and splurge on a player to get them to come to a football club because there's so much. Um, uh, there's no surety about what the salary cap's going to look like going forward of this as well. Clubs yeah. are a bit hesitant to. Is that beyond this year? Beyond this When's year, the next MOU. Um, it is in. Uh, I think there's a coming up in the next couple of years, but it's all linked in with the AFL and how how much money they make and and their bottom line as well. So, cl- clubs are a bit watch on this space at the moment so yeah i think everyone's a little bit handcuffed the players good players are coming out of contract so let's look at um say tom lynch from adelaide and even daniel talia from adelaide as well who still serviceable players and good players that would play from let's say well over 50 percent of the teams in the, in the afl that may be on say 300 to 400 000 they they're, they're not going to get that sort of money. They're going to have to go and play yeah. one on one-year deals or two-year deals, or find alternative ways to 
to get involved or get paid, which look at Tom Lynch, who's possibly going to coach it at North Melbourne, that the avenues that those sort of players have been paid that sort of money, just there is no avenues there. That's why we see a lot of players that have been retired as well. And probably Basha Hooley, look at him, wanted to Basha, go yep. another year around. But unfortunately, just due to the fact that the salary cap's so tight, is that players that are between the age of 28 to whatever, or 35, whatever it is, um, they're, they're the ones that have been cut out probably maybe one year or even two years, three years before they actually probably their expiry date or their retire date is, yep. is truly going to come around. So a lot of clubs will find themselves tight. Um, but, I mean, if positive things happen, we could see over the next two years some big contracts be offered to, to get players away from, from clubs. So yep. um, there, there really isn't too many big headlines. I mean, Lockie Neal came up and that was squashed pretty quickly. Uh, Luke Parker got done at Sydney. Um, then we're sort of looking at maybe some young stars. Dawson, I've mentioned already. And and Shara, who's he's probably not a, a household name, could become a star, is uh, going to want to go to Carlton. So interesting times, interesting times. It's, um, some it, hard work for some of the list managers. Maybe you know, it's time for them to earn some money, There's bargains to be had, though. If, you can, if you've there got is, the money, there's well, some Well, Talia, you mentioned one, surely. Yep, yep. Clubs are going to be trying to pick him up and entice him to their clubs now. Yes, no, so it's it's a, yeah, there is certainly bargains to be had for, for very shrewd list managers. Absolutely. Now, your again, your insights, can you give us an idea around how many discussions that would be going on between football clubs, players and player managers now that, that we obviously have no idea about? There's obviously the big headlines that come up occasionally, but phones would be ringing hot behind the scenes, wouldn't they? Clubs aren't afraid to ask about anyone, Painy. They, no. they, there's, uh, if you've got something that someone else wants, they will, they will ask for it. And I mean, anyway, let, let's look at, uh, look, this has been out in the public, but the Chera trade to to Carlton, but Melbourne have sort of been poking around there, and people are yeah. talking about Luke Jackson, who's a, who's fantastic in the grand final and terrific, a very valuable asset. What you'd have to give up to go back, you'd you'd never think Melbourne would give up a player of Luke Jackson's ability and what he has ahead of him in his future, but. Sides will will ask for anyone if they see value in their own pick and and their player, then they will ask for for what they want back. So, no doubt there's plenty of conversations. I don't know how many get past that first answering, and then there's a no yep. straight back. But certainly, um, nobody's off limits. I don't think. How many how many of those questions? And I don't know. This, I could be completely off the mark here. But have you ever been brought in as a senior player and asked? Is that something that that AFL clubs do? Do they ask your opinion if they're looking to trade or trade for someone? Uh, yeah, no, I, I've been asked, um, well, asked probably in the last sort of four or five years what, what I've thought of of this uh, of a player, or a player we're acquiring, or even looking into. So you, you do have a as older players, you probably have a bit more of a say. Ultimately, that comes down to the coach and the list manager, and they they decide yep. where it fits. But senior players certainly have some sort of say in in targets that that players would like to get as well. Yeah. You touched on as well in the last answer about clubs who ask, not afraid to ask the question, how do you feel? When we're seeing the reports are coming out of the Gold Coast at the moment on like someone like a Ben King who's still got a year to run on his contract. Do you like seeing that? Do you like that clubs are going after something that's, you know, someone that's on a deal and has, has committed themselves for another 12 months and, and how easy it now seems to be for players to, to wriggle out of those contracts? Yeah, that, that one year to go is an interesting uh, situation that players find them in. It's it's very it becomes very interesting prior to unrestricted free acts, unrestricted free agent, sorry, status, and also restricted free agent status, where um, unrestricted probably more so than restricted. That the, you you actually can trade someone out with a year to go. They've still got more currency than what they do if they become an unrestricted free agent and they can leave for yep. free. So sides 
are looking at that with a little bit more um, seeing if they can actually prize someone out because then they can say, well, we, we can have him this year um, or we can have him next year for free sort for of free. thing. So they, they, they play. Where would Ben King sit in that? Uh, no, he, he's certainly going to be, uh, I don't think he would be a restricted free agent at all. Yeah. He would he would have to be traded for you. He would have to be, because uh, he's so young, I think it would only be the end of his fourth year next year and certainly yeah. a very, very, very good talent. But the the people are talking about him going to St Kilda. I think him and his brother are both St Kilda fans and obviously oh. Max is a St Kilda player. But gosh, wouldn't it be handy having them both playing at your football club? And uh, there's, uh, oh, I suppose there's some... Nostalgia about playing with your brother yep. and and playing for the team you you grew up for, but I'm I'm not against it. I think we're all adults, and um, these players have paid a lot of money to to play AFL football, and they're going to be paid a lot more going forward as well. But it's um it gives us good fodder to talk about and and crystal ball as well, and gets fans excited about the possibility of good players coming to their football club. Yeah, I for one am all for watching Big Ben and Max in the same forward Look line out. together. I'd love to see it. Look I don't out. find the Saints very watchable, but I think those two might change that. There's a clip. Big Robbie Tarrant set to join you at Richmond. Are you happy with that, having him on board? I think I've heard you talk before to me, maybe off air, and you said he was hard to play on. Yeah, no, he's going to be... man. He's a big man. He's going to be a good addition to our football club um, if it all goes through, which I think will happen pretty seamlessly. Um, the unrestricted free agency period starts today, I think, actually, so... Oh, I will see some deals rolling in, no doubt, over the weekend um, and players looking to move. We think Marby Ochoa will probably go to the Gold Coast Suns as an unrestricted yep. free agent as well. So interesting times, but a, a big You rang him up and tried to talk him out of it? Uh, no, I think he's uh, I think he's think he's got a bigger deal up there and he's uh, he's also being paid well up there too. So um, good luck to, to Marby up there. But uh, no, Robbie Tarrant's going to be a great addition to the Richmond Football Club. Big, strong key back. He's obviously had a few health issues over the last 12 months, which are behind him now. And, um, yeah, I've, I found him difficult to play. And he, he belted me one day, absolute ripper. He clocked me over the head when I went and took a mark. <laughs> and I wasn't too wrapped about Is that. that the blueprint? I, I might have had a few words back to him about that one. So I'll have to smooth the, uh, smooth the waters early on with him. But, uh, no, hopefully with uh, with him coming in to fill the, the Asprey um, void that when he goes out, obviously being... Uh, Retired uh, at the end of this year. Um, he'll be uh, big shoes to fill and obviously strengthen up our back line as well. Yeah, absolutely. And big addition for the Tigers. But speaking of big additions, oh, no. the, probably the biggest so far this week is undoubtedly what the Bombers have done. Alex Rance to Essendon as development coach, <laughs> albeit. But I just want to cast your mind forward a little bit. Michael Hurley doesn't quite get back in time. We've got another injury at the Bombers. COVID's finished. It's dream time at the G. You walk out, stand in the goal square, and Alex Rance comes out and puts his arm across you. Yeah. What seven. are the chances? I'll kick seven. What are the chances? I'll kick seven on an intra club in three quarters. I'm not <laughs> I'll be absolutely licking my lips if he comes out. <laughs> Interesting. He cropped up out of nowhere, really, the big tross man. He's decided to go to Essendon. Uh, obviously, very good friends with Ben Rutten. Uh, very, very good yeah. friends. Obviously, Truck Rutten coached Richmond in 2017 and in the back line. Um, and him and Rancy had a great relationship. So he's joined Essendon as a development coach, which I honestly did not see coming. So yeah. best of luck to him. What are, what are the chance? How, as an Essendon supporter, Payne? Oh, mate. Would you, is, are you already thinking that this is a small stepping stone into the Alex Rance playing for... He played in our VFL team last year. Only Come down, Alex. Only... See if you like the play. See if you like the boys. Mate, he's good friends with the coaches. you said. He's gone back and said, you know what, Truck? Great bunch of lads. Enjoyed my time. 
if anything pops up next year, you can just sleep, sneak me into the club. We'll take that, and then we'll try and let's rookie me during the year. And when we play against Richmond, I'll stand on Jack and I'll run off him with Dash. He won't be able to chase me, and I'll set the Bombers up for a huge victory on Dream Team. I'll, uh, I can't I'll, wait. I'll, I'll, I'll put this to you. I actually think that, uh, and you, a lot of people haven't thought of this, is that the Tigers may have planted a mole here. Absolutely planted mm. a mole here. We may have sent Alex Rance in undercover as a as a development coach. Yep. The mid season well, draft rolls around. If and they have, don't be surprised. We should have sent him to Melbourne. <laughs> the Richmond Football Club pick up Alex <laughs> Rance. They picked the wrong club. <laughs> he turns back to the promised land. Uh, we're set for a big show today. We have got a lot of guests. We're very excited. But before we do that, let's get some news, news headlines. Uh, well, Paney, I don't know whether you caught this uh, little snippet from the AFL Grand Final. It was obviously run and won by Melbourne and all the celebrations there. But a photo cropped up on uh, AFL Instagram that got a couple of young Victorians in trouble. So allegedly, Paney, these boys have slipped in via the Northern Territory. They've gone up there and uh, allegedly they've fabricated some driver's licences and uh, they've slid their way into Perth and allegedly have lied to <laughs> the authorities they could be facing, could be facing, not saying that they will, but they could be facing up to 50 grand in fines and 12 months in the slammer. Yeah, it's a hefty price to pay, isn't it? Well, it is, but they've been 57 years, Jack, and it's funny what people will do to watch their footy team win. What, what I do find staggering when I did read it, and you've just touched on it, and you said a couple of young Victorians, that we're talking about a 49-year-old and a 39-year-old. I was actually expecting it to be like a 21-year-old and a 22-year-old. Yep. So um, they've obviously been starved of success, Jack, and... Um, I mean, in a way, fair play to them. Well done, but yeah, probably not the so, done thing in uh, in these times. So, that's for sure. so and they're going to pay the price. As a uh, well, the, the Dons haven't won a final for nearly six thousand days. I think it is Painy. No, uh, and haven't won a premiership since two thousand. Uh, it's yep. twenty or twenty-one years. You do? Would you do twelve months in the slammer for the Dons to to win a premiership? Um, would you? Are you? Would you be that sort well, of loyal supporter? The, 50, la- the 50 large would be easy for you to roll up the 50 No, that's well, just, actually, that's just a Jack, bit. that's where you're wrong. I think most people who know me well would probably say I'll do the 12, year, <laughs> the 12 months before 12 I give up the 50 grand, to be honest. <laughs> oh, no. What do you reckon, Flash? Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah reckon... no, I'm not giving up 50 grand to go and watch anyone play, Jack, to be honest with you. I'd be... It'd be interesting. Sitting at home and I'm watching gonna, it on telly. I'm going to put that out on our social media. What would you do? To, would you do 12 months for your side to win a premiership? That's, that's basically what not what these boys have done. They've been over there. They've been they're doing 12 months for going over and watching their side win a premiership. So would you do 12 months to go and watch your team win a premiership? This is Jack and Painey here. Up next though, we've got the Banana Man on. Peter Siddle is going to join us. This is Jack and Painey on SEN. Harrison Agents to buy, sell, or rent in Tasmania. Search Harrison Agents today on 1629 SEN Hobart. Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to Jack and Payne. Thanks to Harrison Agents selling your home. Contact Harrison Agents today. Well, we are very, very lucky. Payne's delved into his little black book again and he's got us a great guest today. Uh, before I introduce this man, Going to put it on him because the last Tasmanian cricketer we had on the show, he absolutely dropped a few grenades and oh. sent us around the world. Viral. So, Peter Siddle, you have got big, big shoes to fill here, mate. So, you're going to have to tell us your deepest and darkest secrets. Sitsy, welcome to the show, <laughs> no mate. How are you? Here, boys. <laughs> yeah, I'm very well. Uh, boys, thanks for having me on. Well, very different 
Sids and, and Jim Cock Faulkner. Even in their bat, Sids' interview will be more like he's batting, he's stoic, he'll play straight and he'll just hit the ball where it should go. The Jim Cock tends to swing a little bit harder, but... All the fences. Honouring Tasmanian he is now, Jack, so it's great to have him bloody on. Bloody oath he is, bloody oath he is. Well, Sidzy, take us through what happened last week. You were up in Brisbane, we were playing uh, the Queensland Bulls, then all of a sudden we're on a plane heading back to Tassie. What's happened with the postponement of the uh, of the Shield game? I oh, know, very disappointing, um, especially when you're leading into your first game, you just want to get out there and play. But, um, yeah, we had a lovely trip up the Gold Coast, prepared there well and got to Brisbane on the bus to, to day one feeling good rock up to the ground they say um, yeah maybe just go pack your bags boys looks like, <laughs> looks like you can go home and um, and maybe get ready to leave um, so yeah it was obviously day one got postponed head back to the hotel um, pack up the the bags back there just in case and then yeah literally a couple of hours later got the call as well that we were leaving the state so all happened very quickly but um, yeah looks like we got some movement we might be going to Adelaide hopefully um, to play some cricket soon. Since it was true that some of the boys were actually there warming up, like the warm-up had started for the batters. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so the first bus had left. The batters, um, pretty standard. They go nice and early, have their little throwdowns. Bunch of nerds, um, them. No, nah, definitely not. The second bus left too early for me. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we rock it. The second bus rocks up, and, um, yeah, the first boy's still hitting some balls. But um, Kepler, match referee, Kepler, Kepler Wessels, he comes over and pretty much said that, um, yeah, might as well just call your Jets boys. There's yep. a chance that today could be done and um, we'll discuss further and a couple of hours later we're off. Yeah, and so Kepler, Jack, and, and for the listeners don't know the old opening batter for Australia and South Africa, he's actually a match referee now for Cricket Australia. So um, probably contrary to what Ian Healy and a few other people from Queensland said, it, it wasn't Tasmania who called the game off. It was it was done at a higher level and Cricket Australia were in, involved in that decision. But I suppose, Sid's now uh, sort of two-part question. Do, do you support the decision that was made to come home to Tassie and then can you explain to us going forward as we are now this morning what it looks like for the rest of the season and when our next game might be? Um, yeah, obviously, you want to play. So initially you're like, oh, I just want to play, yeah. you know, but there's greater things um, happening around the around the country at the moment. So we've got to take that into account. Uh, I've read some of the stuff that Heels yeah. and the CEO up there have Aggressive, said. Aggressive, weren't they? And obviously they were disappointed. They want to see cricket played and we like we all do. Um, but then that was yesterday when there was no cases, and now today there's six, which you know could be nothing, but could be something. So it is disappointing. But yeah, at the, at the end of the day, we might be able to now play that game in a different state, potentially Adelaide um, next week, and actually get the game finished. Whereas this game, in the end, would have just got postponed anyway um, and not gotten a result. So at the end of the day, it's a pretty good place to be in that um, we get a chance to play the game properly and. All but in a different state, but hopefully, yeah, we can get um, get stuck into that next week. A ball hasn't been bowled, Sid, and we're already having COVID nightmares here with, well, it's been a part of Australian sport now for nearly two years, and, and the Shield hasn't even started. Not one bowl has been bowled. Is there a concern that the season will, will not pl- be played out or it's going to have to be changed? Um, clearly, at the moment, we, we can't play... Uh, in Queensland, uh, sorry, in, in New South Wales and Victoria, Queensland's looking a little bit more shaky. Do you feel like we may have to have a, a shortened shield season, or will it be all compacted into into however many games in in, in one certain state? Um, it's a tough one, I guess, especially with shield cricket um, being a four-day game. It's actually hard to contain it in one state um, and have enough grounds to facilitate all the all the matches. So. 
It is going to be tough. We tried it a little bit in Adelaide last year, um, where yeah, the, we're all there. We played four games, um, and it was hard work on the wickets. The wickets w wear quite quickly, and don't really last. So to, to hold it in one state, like other sports, it's a bit tough to play shield cricket. Um, so I think yeah, it'll probably just be a restructured um, season. Fixtures will have to sort of be adapted as we go, um, and similar to this little hiccup that. Hopefully, yeah, we can just, like I said, we can play it again um, next week in, in Adelaide. But I think by putting out a full schedule, it's probably going to be impossible. But, yeah, like last year, we ended up playing eight Shield games. Um, we had a final in the end um, and got the season done and dusted with missing a few games. So hopefully it's not as drastic as that. But hopefully, yeah, we can get enough cricket in to play a final and, and, and in the end, obviously, name a winner. Yeah, let's hope they find a way. Now, Sid, you're into your second year down in Tasmania. Um, I think signed on for a third potentially, or could be. Um, I'm hoping let's so. Let's hope anyway. so, mate. Yeah. Um, but you've been living at the Wool Store. Now, well, there's get, nothing... you out there the Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's a terrific hotel down on the water, Jack, as you know. I'm but, looking for uh, a place to stay hotel. for November, December Wool Store, so hit No, me up. they'll look after you, no <laughs> doubt about that. But, mate, you must now, you're starting to feel like a Tasmanian. You live down on the waterfront. You've been here now for the winter. Uh, didn't get to go back to England, so you've gone through the Tasmanian cold winter. You, you're feeling like a Tasmanian now? No, not really, because <laughs> I, I was up in Brisbane for two months. So. Yeah, that's right. How about that, Jack? <laughs> so I've missed, I've missed most of the winter anyway. Does, so. that, does that happen in AFL? You just, if you, once you get to a certain level, you've played enough tests, it's like you can go to Brisbane, see, so look after your body and come back when you're ready. So you've just pulled rank there and said, oh, I'm not hanging around, boys. See you later. I'll skip up to the sunny, oh, I, I did go to England. I went to England, but only for a short time. I went to England for two months. I came home, had to quarantine. So I'm like, well, I might as well quarantine in Brisbane. There's nice hotels up there for quarantine. It's a smart choice. And then once I got out, I'm like, it's pretty good weather up here. I might as well just stay for a little bit. Um, yeah, and a little bit turned into into eight weeks. So I'm surprised you got um, on the plane when they said you boys have got to head back to Tassie. Even even a few days ago, they had to get back. And you just didn't stay. No, they, they, they only just got me back. No worry about that. <laughs> Kicking the screaming um, through the but door. But no, they've got that storm. I think that you guys are getting in Melbourne, all up the east coast. So I knew that was coming. So there's no point staying up there. But um, no, I haven't experienced too much of it. But uh, today was quite fresh. Wasn't um, it? So it did feel like England. But um, yeah, fair to say, I can't handle the cold weather. No, that's true. Now, Sid, we want to take you down memory lane a little bit. Obviously, one of the great... The Ashes are coming around the corner, and one of the great Ashes moments is the Peter Siddle hat-trick on his birthday. Look, can you take us through it ball for ball? You still remember it, surely? Yeah, I still remember it. And, <laughs> and just when good. you get to the last one, can you tell me, did you did you mean to go for the Yorker? Well, we get to that, but... Um, yeah, it was, it was memorable even before that. Is I'd been out with a stress fracture in my back for about uh, pretty much since February that year. So I'd been out for about nine, ten months. Yeah. Um, so it was just, I was just glad to be back in the side, get named in the 11. And you used to I'm prepare so well back then as well. You really looked after your body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was ready to go. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, but no, so yeah, it was just amazing to be back. And then it was actually a pretty slow, boring day up until then. Not it much was. had happened. But um, yeah, Cookie, I think, who obviously became one of my good mates and teammates in Essex, um, with over the last few years, um, yeah, happened to be the first wicket. Just took a little outside edge on about 60-odd or 70. Yep. Watto caught it in his belly Didn't at he? second slip because he never really caught many in his hands. Not so. the most natural first slip, um, big Watto. <laughs> so he took that, um, which was quite good. So they got, they got him out of the way, done. And then Matty Pryor came in, who everyone talks about KP being my bunny. Yep. Matt Pryor was actually the um, batsman that I got out the most right. 11 times in test cricket, um, KP 10. So... 
he was my uh, my true bunny. Um, he came out, and as as always happened, especially early on, is you put a full ball and at the stumps, he usually plays and misses it. Kicked it or bowled him? No, nah, clean bowled him. Oh, clean okay. bowled him. Um, stumps, middle stumps. So that was that was gone, and then off we came to the hat trick ball, and like like any hat trick, yep. you always get plenty of advice from all yep. the players that have never got one. Yep. Um, <laughs> so it was um, it was pretty good to be at the ba- at the back down the end. Rare Mitch Johnson giving me a few tips. Um, but just the crowd, the the crowd was massive. Um, the Gabba, back, so back then got decent crowds. Mitch so. Johnson was at mid off. Did you say Mitch? Yep. I'm going Yorker. Well, yeah, the crowd was big. It was roaring, you know. And um, nah, to be honest, I, I did not bowl the ball. I wanted to bowl. <laughs> I'm, all I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I just want to bowl fast, and I want to hit the wicket hard. <laughs> fast hit the wicket hard. Fast hit the wicket hard. So that's all I'm thinking as I'm running in, trying to hit the top of off. I'm thinking, yep. He would have been asleep. He was slow getting out. He's not going to be ready for it. I'll get his outside edge caught. Done. Anyway, it's a it's a pretty much a full toss Yorker. Fast, missed the wicket. The old DK um, toe crusher and smacks him on the foot, and up we went. And uh, and the and the killer of it all though was DRS because it meant he could review it. Oh which, yeah. Which means that yeah, you don't get to celebrate it and have it right then. Is that um, one of the first years of DRS? Yeah, it was early days. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty old, so yeah. <laughs> it would have been one of the one of the early days. But um, but in saying that, I did by having DRS, I did get to celebrate it twice. So as much as it's a bit of a downer, I did get the chance to um, obviously have have a crack at celebrating it twice. Do you uh, is that your go to YouTube clip to watch Sidzy when you when you may be running <laughs> a bit out of form? Because I'm I'm a bit like that. He might not have had a kick for a couple of weeks, and like, you know, I go back to the 2019 grand final, watch when I jagged five, and and feel make myself feel a bit better. You, you down on form a little bit, and you just think, I'm going to go to that birthday clip and see me take a uh, Ashes hat trick. No, to be fair, I hate watching cricket, so <laughs> <laughs> even watching something like that um, is enough. But I get sent it enough. Being on my birthday every year, um, it tends to pop up everywhere and come from every direction of messages on that day. So, um, no, I don't tend to watch it much all year. And then that day I end up watching it about 100 times. So <laughs> I'll just save it all up for that day. Very, very good, mate. Well, the Ashes is on and it's coming around. Well, hope, we hope it's coming around. What have you made of the commentary from the the England team and even Joe Root this week about just the I suppose there's conjecture, but there's a not not a great want for the English players to come out to Australia and be involved in this Ashes series. Yeah, it's disappointing. I think you know the, the, you probably look at some of the guys. And Stuart Broad's been out injured since I think the first test of the summer, and he was one of the first guys that come straight out and go, "I'm I'm in. Count me in. I'm, if I'm fit, I'm I'm going." Um, and it is disappointing. We we are, we all understand. I think it's um, obviously different for Payne. He he has got family like some of the um, the English guys with young kids and stuff like that. It's going to be hard. We're away and all that type of thing. But at the end of the day, they're away and do that. They've been doing that for years anyway. On trips when they haven't taken their family, they've been away for three months and haven't seen their kids, and then they've gone home to them. So what's the difference this time round? Um, we know it's long, we understand that, but you know, in these tough times and the rare opportunity where we actually get to play our game and continue playing it throughout these um, you know, crazy crazy situations, that it's, a, it's obviously a great chance to come out, um, put smiles on, on the supporters and the fans' faces by, by coming out and playing a series which is so big and something that is so important to obviously a lot of Australian and Englishmen. Yeah, absolutely. Sids, let's hope it goes ahead. I'm sure it will. Um, now, mate, we've touched a little bit on your future going forward. You're obviously playing this year for 
The strikers again in the BBL, um, you'd like to play on another year in, in shield cricket. How long do you think you've got left? I know you're looking after yourself now extremely well. You're becoming super professional. <laughs> How many years do you reckon you've got left? Um, no, I think I think next year, um, I'll touch wood. Um, I hear back from Tassie and they sign that and they hand that deal over and I'll, I'll play again next year. But no, nah, it looks like I'll try and play again next year um, and then that'll be me done in Australia, especially first-class cricket. Yeah. Um, Big Bash, I'd still like to play for a few more years. I know Hurricanes are obviously got a free spot up now after that last conversation that you had when uh, <laughs> when Jimmy was here. So there's a... you listen to that one. Um, so I might be able to um, I might be able to take up that deal um, for the future seasons. But nah, I've still got Big Bash with Strikers, uh, which I love. Love playing Adelaide Oval. Um, so yeah, I'd still look to play Big Bash. Um, still love going over to England to play, but um, definitely next year will be. Um, would be my last year in first-class cricket. So still got a little bit of time, but um, not that long. Well, mate, thank you for joining us. We really do appreciate it, and we look forward to you plying your trade for the Tassie Tigers in the Shield when it does come up, mate. Thanks for joining us on Jack and Payne. Perfect, lads. Thanks for having me on. There you go. Uh, well, Payne, I'm really looking forward to, obviously, just dissecting the chat with Peter Siddle after this, but I'm also looking forward to hearing what you've got to say on the English cricket crisis. I'm going to call it a crisis because they <laughs> do not want to come out to our shores and play cricket over here. This is Jack and Payne on SEN. We'll be back after this. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today on 1629 SEN Hobart. Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to Jack and Payne, and well, there we had it. Uh, the birthday boy taking a hat trick on his birthday, Peter Siddle. Payne, what did you take out of the big Sids man? Oh, the big Sids man. Look, what I can say about Sids is the impact that he's had on our cricket team and our organisation in the last 18 to 18 months to two years has been outstanding. We've got some young, fast bowlers that are coming through our ranks, and Sids has had a, a huge impact on them in the last little period. So we've been very lucky to have him. He's also making us clearly a, a much better cricket team on it, but um, on the field. But yeah, he's a great man, um, and he's been awesome for our young guys to be able to learn off down here. You don't get too many Test cricketers out of Tasmania, so to have another one in the mix for our youngsters has been awesome. Well, Payne, we have already had a big start to the show here, but coming up in the next hour, we've got Flash Lithgow. He's going to be joining us and talking about Nostradamus. Things. Nostradamus, the AFL Nostradamus. Uh, we've got champion jockey Froggy Newitt, and we'll be taking the best and worst trades of all time. All this on Jack and Payne, but right after the break, David Flash Lithgow is going to be joining us. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell, or rent in Tasmania. Search Harrison Agents today on 1629 SEN Hobart. Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome to another big hour of Jack and Payne with me, Jack Revolt, and of course, the Australian Test Captain Tim Payne. Thanks to our boys, Harrison Agents, Tasmania's real estate experts. Well, it wouldn't be a Jack and Payne show without this man clinging and clanging around in the background, but we've got him on my microphone again this week. <laughs> Flash Lithgow, Flash. Welcome to the show. <laughs> you do Good make morning, a lot, gentlemen. You do make Great a lot of noise in the background, though, David. Like our listeners and our loyal listeners would listen and, and mm, hear yeah. little coughs and snippets banging behind the Tim Payne in his on his microphone. That is always you in the background, in nice and early, always prepared and ready to go, but yep. um, making a lot of lot of noise in the studio. 
What Tim? What about the footy? And what about um, what about our Tasmanian boy? I thought we got him up last week. Benny Brown wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely he was, magnificent. Uh, he was terrific. We thought we spoke about it a bit earlier. Jack said he was going to kick four. He kicked three. I know that you Should had him actually four. down, David, as the first goal kicker of the grand final. He let you down, it. didn't he? he? Did. He did. Any wager on that, David? Did you have a few dollars on? Not allowed to have a bet as a um, oh. as a commentator, Jack, as you probably well know. Didn't but know that. Terrific, terrific game of footy. Um, isn't funny. It was a blowout in the end, but yet we, I think we all enjoyed it and the ebbs and flows and goodness me. Oh, Perth put on a spectacle on the weekend and I reckon I've changed my mind. I mean, I don't know whether you do it every second year, every third year, mix it around, but what a sensational night it was. It was terrific. I thought the entertainment, the fireworks, the ability to turn the lights on and off in a, in a split second of that ground is like nowhere else in Australia and I, I don't mind the the being able to share it around the country. Maybe every three years, probably ask Jack, he's the AFL footballer here, and the MCG is the MCG, but can we get it around the country occasionally? No, no. Uh, the contract is signed. <laughs> the contract is signed until the middle of 2050, I think, or whatever it is. It'll be oh, going, there you go. It'll be going back to the MCG next year, and the Tigers will be charging back up the ladder, hopefully next Done September. We're, 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 we're back there. Uh, big story in the Mercury, and another story that Jack and Paney have broken. Mm. Bell Reeve Battleground was the headline. Hobart ready to host the Ashes Test. Cricket Tasmania CEO, Don Baker, who's a good friend of all of ours, uh, says that they are ready, willing, and able to host an Ashes Test. Paney, oh, boys, this is uh, this is big, Huge. big news because we, we, we put it on the agenda with Premier Cup. We Gutman. did. Just before you get to that, Jack, do you know last night I went to catch up with a cup of tea with Tim, and who's having a who's having a little chat? The, the premier and the skipper. What was that all about? Yes, yeah, so I, I was strolling down Campbell Street last night, Jack, yep. and blow me down if it wasn't the premier by himself just walking towards me, cutting laps. So we stopped, exchanged a few a few pleasantries. He wished us well with the show as he always does, being a big fan. And and then the very first question he asked me was. Paney, do you reckon we can get this test match, Ashes test match, mm. to Blunston Arena? Oh, I and I can. said, well, I think you're the man that can, but it might cost us a few dollars or a bit more incentives. And he said, we, I, am all for it wow. and happy to help. So I said, well, we've got you on board. I know Cricket Tasmania are trying to pull everything out to make it happen. Perth are going to do the right thing by us and not let anyone into Western Australia. Um, but does that backfire on Perth? And suddenly, suddenly they're in the hot seat as the one that might miss down on a test. Not, not I mean, after watching, absolutely. No, not after watching the AFL Grand Final. They want sixty thousand people there. At what is at the moment the best stadium in Australia? There's no doubt they want to get uh, they want to get a, a test over there, cricket. Australia, yeah, it, and if they do, they're going to have to swap the whole schedule around. Mm. And obviously, Boxing Day and New Year's is not going anywhere. The Adelaide Oval night test is now becoming. A bit of an event there. I don't think yep. that will move. So it's going to be interesting, but it is great to have um, our friend of the show, the Premier, certainly on board. And um, he sounds like, speaking to him last night, that he's mm. going to try and pull out all the stops to make it happen or at least put us right firmly in the discussion. What's, uh, what it's, sort it's, of, it's, sorry, what sort of get-up does the Premier run around in? It's interesting because I already yeah, see him in a suit. sort of get-up. He, he's normally in that dark navy slash with was. a bit of charcoal suit and a white shirt. He's a bit like... Carl Stefano. No, he looked no, he looked very casuals? very sharp last night. He had the uh, the suit tie. He was rolling with the umbrella in hand, and he had the Neil Danaher MND beanie. Uh, MND beanie on. Wow. So he's obviously supporting a great cause there as well. But yeah, we love our premier here, and he's uh, he's pushing hard to get us more high quality sport in Tasmania, which is awesome. Jack, the problem I've got with this Ashes coming up is all I'm hearing out of England and South Africa depends who you talk to is whinge, whinge, <laughs> whinge, and 
Joe Root's making discussions. The great Kevin Peterson's come out and said he's not going to do it. Kev. I, I, I just don't get it. I mean, we've seen sports all over the world where, whether it's the NBA, the NFL's gone in lockdowns, etc. You know, you just got to make it work. I mean, this this... I know you're feeding off this negative energy, Tim. You've written every note over the last six weeks. Jack, I promise you, he hasn't missed a thing. Anything that comes out from one of these English players, he's all over it. Well, it's interesting, Flash, you do talk about Joe Root because we have got some audio here and it'll be interesting to see what Payne has to say after this. It's so hard to make a definite decision until you know, but that's why it's so important that we get um, get all of the information. And as I mentioned, I'd be desperate to be a part of an Ashes series, always am. It's, it's that one series as an England player that you want to be involved in and that'll never change. Um, so, of course, desperate to, to go. From a player's point of view, we just want to, to know what, what the position is and then we can, we can all make decisions. Of course, it's been a discussion point throughout the whole summer. It's, um, it's, a, it's a big deal to all of us. So, um, you know, they'll, they'll continue and you know, hopefully we can get some clarity on everything and um, you know, it'd be nice to, to all go out there and and create history. I think it's really important everyone makes the decision um, that's, that they're comfortable with. So I think it's, it's one of those things we, we just have to be patient. We have to wait till we know what's happening and then, um, I'd say, make a decision off the back of that. Well, boys, I haven't heard Joe Root talk mm. a lot, but I, I can hear the fear in his voice, can't you, Payne? He just sounds very... He sounds a bit I reckon. He sounds mm. a bit timid there, doesn't he? I don't think... I, I'd say nearly non-committal. He just, Thoughts, Tim? Surely. Um, well, the Ashes are going ahead. The first test is on December 8, and whether Joe's here or not, to be honest with you. So, um, look, we've spoken about it so much. We He's know what's going Payne. to be coming. He's the captain, hey? Payne. He is the captain of the English cricket team. Yeah. And he has. He said, yeah, I'd love to go along, but he didn't commit to coming down here. It's, it's... He's negotiating. Let's be frank. He's negotiating. He wants the, the best sort of, I guess, rules in place for the players under the best conditions possible. And yeah. Joe Root wants to come. Oh, oh they all want to come. There's no doubt about that. And yeah, like you said, they're trying to get themselves the best possible conditions that they can get. Yep. But at the end of the day, we all are. And, and we don't want to give them poor conditions because we're going to be in the same same boat as them. But um, it'll be worked out, as we've said many times, above us. And then they'll have a choice to make. You either get on that plane or you don't. But there'll be a squad of England players coming here in the first test. It'll be starting on December 8th. And I guess, Jack, that's the question. Is, is what is the quality of the team going to be like? I mean, are we going to find five or six... Of the guns not here, Stokes is not going to be here. We know that, and that's probably nothing related at all to COVID. But it, that's the query now, isn't it? Yeah, well, to flash, to be honest, mate, I don't care. No, no, you don't. I don't care who comes. <laughs> I really don't. Speaking of not caring, I hope their best team comes. Yeah. Speaking of not caring, uh, Flash mentioned Kevin Peterson. Uh, paraphrase here: There is no way I would go to the Ashes this winter. Zero chance unless the ridiculous quarantine rules were squashed and my family could travel with zero restrictions. Players are now done with bubbles. Done yep. in capitals. Any little drive-by for KP there, Payne? Oh, well, if you want to know anything on any topic in the world, Jack, you just ask Kevin Peterson. <laughs> he is an expert on everything. There is no doubt about that. Um, the great thing about it, though, if anyone is talking to Kevin, is no one's forcing you to come. No one's forcing any England player to come. That's the beauty of the world we live in. You have a choice. If you don't want to come... Don't come. If you do want to come and represent your country and play in an Ashes series, which Joe Root said, that's what they all want to do, that's what they dream about doing, then come and do it. Kev, mate, 
Leave it to the players. Let them speak. We have not heard one England player come out and say they will not be coming. I think it's been beat up, and people like Kevin like like to get themselves a little bit of exposure in the media time. whenever he can. KP wants some airtime. Can, can I just reinforce this, what I said a couple of minutes ago? Tim makes notes on every <laughs> single comment these pompers are saying, I promise you. That's the first he, I heard the Kevin Peterson thing. There you go. There Amazing. You go. Another bit. Well, we spoke to Peter Siddleflash. I don't know whether you heard with all the clanging and banging in the background, but... Uh, Ian Healy just came in and chimed in. We've got a little bit of audio Whack. here from, from Ian Healy. Now, there will be three sides to this story for sure. And no one's... I think all three sides are madly compiling their stories because they didn't understand what they were doing. It's incredibly poor. Cricket Australia match operations made the postponement decision just before the toss. Who are Cricket Australia match operations? Why did they go without the public health information of yesterday in postponing a Sheffield Shield match? Then, who gave all the approvals to the Cricket Australia's Match Operations Committee? Right? Now, match operations take things very seriously at a micro level. Oh, geez, they're good at putting out the tape to mm. tell public and staff where they can and can't go and the play, this is for players. Oh, they demark those areas beautifully, you know, and then they disrespect the competition. Uh, it's unbelievable. The yep. important bits, they disrespect, and that, that was incredible. The integrity of the Sheffield Shield has been disrespected by Cricket Australia staff. The leadership of Cricket Australia has been disrespected by the same staff because they weren't even contacted. Can you believe mm. that? And just as bad, the media blackout. You can't have a debacle like this in a major sport in our country and not tell us why. But they don't know why. That's why it was an absolute debacle. Didn't miss many there, Hills, did he, on Patton Hills up there in in Brisbane? He just went bang, bang, bang. Uh, give us any truth to any of that, Pony, or is he... Oh, oh where, where, there's a lot to unpack there. Um he just did Look, not I miss. think the ma- firstly the match op- match ops, to my knowledge, at Cricket Australia were in contact with Tasmania. Certainly, our CEO and our high performance manager, even the night before the game. Um, and then, obviously, as as we heard with Sid, some of our guys went down and started warm up. Uh, our coach Alistair De Winter was then walking back across the oval when he was met by Kepler Vessels, who is the match ref, and said that it was unlikely that it was going to go ahead. Uh, and then, about half an hour later, it was called off. Now. Hill says they're disrespecting the the competition and 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 a few other things there. What what actually happened was round two of the Sheffield Shield for Tasmania is in Western Australia, and we know how strict they are with their with their lockdown. So the the original plan was that Tassie would fly home, but if the cases didn't grow, they would fly back and play the one day against Queensland on Sunday, and then the Shield game on Tuesday. Cases grew, uh, so that game now has been moved to Adelaide to play this Tuesday. Uh, And now that Tasmania haven't been in those hotspots in Brisbane, they can now continue on to round two in Perth, which is important. So what would have happened had they have stayed there? We would have played one day. The game would have been called off. Tasmania would have had to have flied home then and then would not have been able to play in round two either. So at the end of the day, Cricket Tasmania and the match ops people at Cricket Australia, mainly a guy called Peter Roach, have made the, the best decision. It's worked out well. Um, it certainly hasn't disrespected the competition. It's actually helped the competition get the next two rounds in, which they wouldn't have done had Tasmania have stayed in Queensland. So there's a little bit more to unpack to it, and there were certainly more people that were involved. Um, he was obviously a little bit fired up, as some of us wicketkeepers can do. 
Yeah, he's for an angry bunch and we get Gabby's flash. Do you think this will... We spoke about the English players. Does, does seeing this happen on basically the drop of a hat with one or two cases cropping up in a big cricketing state, Queensland, does it, does it ask the question, what, what, what are we going to get when we get there? Because the goalposts are shifting constantly, aren't they? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I, and I think... I think we're all becoming now accustomed to be very fluid in professional sports going forward. And, and I, I think there's almost got to be a little bit of acceptance that this is going to happen from time to time. The show goes on. Look, they've just made it work around the world. If you look at the big competitions, the NFL and the NBA, it's stuff stops and starts and they've got to move there and you've got to move there. And it is part of the deal. Um, you know, vaccinations are happening now. We're, we're getting up there in the numbers, aren't we? And, We've just got to push on. Of course, summer comes and things are probably going to ease on that front a little bit, isn't it? And, Let's hope so. You know, it, gee, I, I know I'd hate to be a politician in these times. Yeah. It's awfully tough and you, you've just got to be very flexible. Yeah, and I think the AFL, Jack, you guys have led the way with that. We've, yep, we've heard about teams sitting on tarmacs waiting to find out where they're going to go or they land in a certain state and then they have to fly off somewhere else. That's so right. it's very fluid. Players have got to be flexible. Um, I think Nathan Lyon said it really well the other week. Us as cricketers at the moment, it's a small small price to pay. You know, we're going to have to do a little bit of quarantine here and there. We're going to have to chop and change and move hotels and be in a different state. But, um, yeah, there's a bigger picture here, and, and the game has got to go on. There's a lot of people depending on the game going ahead for, for work and, and people that are stuck at home in Melbourne and Sydney who love watching AFL footy and love watching cricket. And we've got a little bit of an obligation to do what we can to make sure that we can get these games on. Tim... Let's talk about you. How are you going? What's your update? What's your? How's your neck? Looking good over I'm the I'm going zone. well. Going very well. well. Yeah, going better than I thought I would at this stage. I'm uh, I'm walking about an hour a day at the moment. I'm doing a few step ups. I've started some very light leg stuff. Um, probably being held back action? a little bit. Any sort of neck any, action to? Yeah. No, I've got the Ned hodding ne- the head nodding, nodding going beautifully at the moment. So I can look down. I can look to the side. I'm just not allowed to look up, but. Um, yeah, I'm feeling so much better than I was the first week and then the second week. I'm looking to start running next week and then hopefully into some cricket um, not long after so that. So it's okay if I put a group text out to Alex Carey and Josh Inglis and, yep. and all those guys that are chasing you. Just just leave it another summer or two, boys. We'll get back to you. Yep, at the moment. Or well, you always want them ready to go because you never know, do you? But um, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be playing some games for Tasmania before the Ashes starts. There we go. All Terrific. On track, on track, Flash, good luck chasing up those phone numbers as well because no doubt they'll block you straight away. Ah, uh, boys, up next, though, we are going to talk best and worst AFL trades. We've got, up. got the AFL Nostradamus in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big oh. hour, and we're going to be talking the worst and best trades of all time. This is Jack and Payne on SEN. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell, or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne.
Welcome back to Jack and Painty. Thanks to Harrison Agents, Tasmania's real estate experts. Flash Lithgow is on with us. Got his own opener there. Always, there. I love hearing that flash. It's a great oh, idea. Mm, what a tune! It's a nice so tune. Ha- so happy I thought of that one. Uh, right, you seen Kanye Jack live? Uh, no, no, I haven't seen Kanye mm. live. Um, Missed out. Sung with the killers though. Uh, top mm. three best and worst trades, boys. Um, I've only got three, so I've, I've, I think. They sort of handcuffed, aren't they? Best and worst, because one side yep, go together, don't they? One side loses and one side wins. So, do you want to start us off, Nostradamus? You want to? You want to have a go? Oh, flat? we should leave him to last. Leave, okay, because well, we'll he be... could roll through fifteen, old yeah, Nostradamus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could. Do you know what I reckon the best one was? And obviously, it'll be a Here we go. one. They've had All a right. few, but um, Reese Shaw, Premiership player, second at best and fairest uh, the year before in two thousand eleven for pick ninety. Four, five, whatever it was. That was an unbelievable. <laughs> Where's win that sit? Number three. Well, Josh Kennedy's obviously trade, um, which involved picks 38, 47. Ben McGlynn was involved in that as well. It was mm-hmm. one of the great trades of all time. Um, as far as the 39 and 46, it was actually. 39 and 46. Yeah. Sam, yeah. Sam Grimley was the player that selected by Hawthorne Ooh, there. Played three was. games. He, yeah. he won, did he win a league goal kicking in the VFL, uh, maybe? He might have won a, what do they call that? Frost, 40 Frosty Miller? Is that the Frosty Miller in the that's VFL? That's him, Frosty Miller. Flash, can you surprise everyone that listens to our show and come up with a trade that's not Sydney Swans related? <laughs> we might as well keep the Sydney theme going. Oh, my God. Well, look, it's obviously dear to my heart, but okay. tell me a better win-win than this year's one with Tom Hickey and Aaliyah Aaliyah. Absolutely smashing win for both clubs. Yeah. Tom Hickey, I reckon the Swans win three or four more games than they did the year before based on having a Ruckman competing. No one saw that coming. I couldn't believe when Tom Hickey went to the Swans. I thought, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, how wrong I was. He and Aaliyah was sensational, wasn't he? So, Aaliyah, Aaliyah, that's how you do it. All Australians and half back. I don't know whether it's win-win. But, uh, Payne, your three. Have you got three Sydney, there? Sydney, Sydney. I'll stay away from the Swans. I'm going to go, what about Wayne Carey for pick number two Ooh. and pick number 18? To Adelaide Crows and pick number two ended up being Daniel Wells. Mm. Don't know who pick number eighteen was. I didn't get that. Yep. Didn't look that far. Right, uh, I also right. like this is a stinker. Trent yep. Crow. Oh no. <laughs> to Frio for pick number one. Trent Crow played thirty-eight games and Hawthorne picked up Luke Hodge. Mm. And the rub insult into the wounds. He went Crow back. went back and played in the flag and got Terrible. him back. Terrible. And then this one later. back. I, I looked this one up back in nineteen ninety-four. Chris Groom. Oh, Does anyone yes. remember Chris Groom? Yep. Who went from Adelaide to Fremantle and played seven games, and in return, Adelaide got a guy called Matt Collins and another one by the name of Andrew McLeod. Oh, Whack. Gosh. 340 games later. Mm. Generational player. Oof. What a player he was, yeah. too, wasn't he? No. I didn't mind Matty Collins either, just quietly. Yep. Yeah. Not a bad little player. Um, I had, Jack? Uh, you know, I had the. Josh Kennedy trade uh, for pick 39 being Sam Grimley. So I like that one, Flash. I agreed with that. Also, Trent Crowe. I thought that was a, that was a ripper oh, one as well. Stinker. Um, 2006, a uh, big trade. This has involved uh, three clubs, actually. Maybe four clubs, actually. So Richmond traded pick eight to Fremantle for Graham Polak. Pick eight then was on-traded to Collingwood. For Paul Medhurst. So Paul Medhurst went to Fremantle. Pick 8 went back to Collingwood. Collingwood then uh, traded, uh, picked Ben Reid with pick 8. Pick uh, 10 was already their pick, 
which was Nathan Brown. And then Richmond ended up with pick 13, and they picked up me. So pretty good little trade period <laughs> there for the <laughs> Manly Boys. I had no idea where that was the going. The number one yeah. trade in my books. You want to talk about self-indulgence? I'm swamped by with these two blokes. Mate, That's win-win. Yeah. You're lucky this isn't a TV show, Flash, because you were drinking out of a kid's drink bottle, and it's a Sydney <laughs> member's drink bottle. So we'll, we'll put a photo of that up on our, our social, Flash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Flash went out of the box and went all Sydney trades. There you go, boys. Best and worst trades. Well, the Spring Carnival goes to another level this weekend with the Turnbull Stakes Day tomorrow and catch all the colour and feeling of the Carnival right here across SEN and SEN Track Network throughout October and November. Well, the Mickey Mouse races are over. And that's right, the big ones are starting to roll around. The Spring Carnival here in Melbourne and also right around the country. And a jockey that is going to be up there in lights and he's Tasmania's premier jockey in, uh, in the racing industry, that is Craig Froggy Newitt. He's jumped away from track work to join us this morning. Craig, welcome to the show. Good morning, guys. Frog, the uh, the spring carnival's right in, in full spring, mate. Uh, full swing, sorry. You um, you feeling uh, feeling ready and primed for for a big one this spring? Yeah, it'd be nice to think so. Uh, being a being a natural lightweight, you sort of sort of sit on the fence a fair bit and wait for the opportunity to to come and. Um, yeah, with the Sydney jockeys being locked out, there's a few more rides going. <laughs> actually, it feels funny calling you Froggy, you famous Tasmanian. I feel like we know we've actually never met, but uh, mate, the, Tasma- the Turnbull Stakes Day tomorrow. Your rides that you've got, how many have you got, and, and who are you on? Yeah, for I've our got, Tassie uh, listeners. I've got, uh, got got three or four rides there uh, tomorrow at Flemington, and there's a couple couple of nice chances actually. Um, really looking forward to, to riding a, a filly of Trent Buffett and Natalie Young called Glint of Hope. She, she arguably should be unbeaten two for two, and she's still a maiden. She's been two seconds and, and been pretty unlucky both times. So getting to the big tracks of Flemington, um, I'd expect her to, to run really well. Noted, Jack. Write uh, that down. Rightio, that one's going yeah. straight into the in the black book. Yep. Yeah, the uh, the rain the rain came yesterday, so uh, it's going to help another one of mine. It was called Tavi Dance. He's first up for the uh, Price Kent team and. He's going really well on his fresh fresh records, exceptional on wet ground. So he's another one that'll uh, be, be sort of midfield, but be hitting the line really hard. And uh, hopefully we can get a winner or two on the day. And, and Froggy, of course, in the in the big one, the Bart Cummings, or I say the big one behind the Turnbull, um, you've got something there if you can get a run, an emergency at the moment, long arm. Tell us about it. I, not a bad run first up, 2,500 tomorrow. Yeah, he's uh, he's managed to squeeze in already. There's a couple of scratching, so he's in the field. And he's a horse that, uh, in a lesser race, should have went very close to winning first up. He he was held up and and he got his legs stretching late when he when he got out probably the last fifty yards. So he'll take good benefit from that. He jumped sharply in distance, but he, he's he's only a little horse. But he's a typical European horse. It's sort of naturally fit. Um, Stays very well. Rain affected track will be no issue. So he'll be uh, he'll be uh, crossing. It. We'll be crossing our fingers that he can get the job done tomorrow and get a uh, get a run in the big dance in the first Tuesday in November. Well, that's exciting, certainly to be on a, a challenger for the Melbourne Cup, mate. The, the Turnbull Stakes tomorrow. Um, it really is the the first big Group One uh, in the spring. It, it, literally a two horse race, surely between very elegant and incentivised. You would have thought. Yeah, you you would you would think that. I think now the uh, now the rain has came and it looks like it's going to be affected. Uh, I would uh, put the mare a few 
advance her a couple of lengths, which I think would be enough to get the job done. Uh, he's a very he's a very promising horse and centre wise. I thought he thought he got it handed to him the other day in the Group One at Flemington. Sort of led, didn't go that quick, and was able to to, to outlast them late. But I think uh, with the mare breathing down her neck, she knows how to win a Group One. She's she's the best she's the best mare Australia's been for for quite some time, and I'm uh, I'm pretty confident she'd get the job done. Now, Craig, I'm going to call you Craig, but can you tell us, mate, why do they call you Froggy, and and, and well, I suppose where did it come from, and how long have they called you Froggy? Uh, my old man had the nickname Froggy in primary school. Um, they went on a school excursion one day and the guy knew it. was nowhere to be seen when the bus was leaving. He was down in the creek playing with the frogs. So, so that's, where, that's where he got it from originally. Um, and I sort of went here because he was a jockey back in the day. And everywhere he went, I was, uh, I was the little guy hanging out of his back pocket. So... I was originally the, the tadpole of the team, and then when I uh, progressed to race riding, um, we, we became a frog, and it's, it's stuck ever since. But it's something that I um, I quite enjoy because it's, it's a bit of a rem- reminder of the old man and something yep. that's, um, yeah, not many people call me Craig these days unless I'm in trouble. <laughs> Froggy, tell me about the journey the last couple of years. I, if somebody who's watched you as close as I have, and my mates will be laughing now because um, probably apart from your old man, God bless him, when he was around, I'm probably the bloke that's watched you the closest. Um, true story. It's been five years, mate, since Extreme Choice for Mick Price and the Moyer Stakes was your last group one. And, and watching since then, you've had a, a change with your life, your four kids, you've been back to Tassie, you've had a relationship breakdown um, like some of us have had before. One of those things very tough. Um, for you, it's it's been a real juggle, hasn't it, to, to stay at the top and get back to the top. What, what's kept you going? Um, more or less my kids, mate. Um, I sort of went home, and as you, as you said, I, I had a marriage breakdown, which was which was pretty painful at the time, but I, I was lucky enough to find my, my partner now, Brianna, and my kids have, uh, my kids really enjoy having her around, and she, she's a... She's a blessing. She um, she's the rock at the. She's she's been my rock for for quite a while now, and I just think that work life balance. Um, once everything settled down back home, um, I, I retained full custody of my boys, and Bree wanted to uh, to test the waters over in Melbourne once again. So um, here we are, and it's been a good good start. We've been here just over twelve months now, and things are going really well. So it's it's nice to be uh, back in. In springtime, getting getting good rides. So, hopefully, we can uh, crack that that elusive thirty fourth Group One winner and get the ball rolling again. And, and I've always wondered over this journey that I, I feel like for a, a, almost a decade, and you're probably the best couple of sprint jockeys in the country. And you've had to scratch and scrape to to sometimes get those rides. Is that been a frustrating thing for you? I know this is a it's a competitive industry. The, the jockeys in Victoria have never been deeper than they have been the last five or six years. Is it, 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 is it been an annoying thing for you that you, you have fallen off the pace in, in some respects over the last few years and you haven't been able to get those rides, especially in what you've done well, which is the sprints? Not, not necessarily uh, fr- frustrating or, or whatnot. It was my decision to go home. So you sort of lose those contacts and... I've worked out. I've worked out pretty quick since I've been back. Unless you have that big stable um, with with solid backing behind you, it's it's very tough. I've got, I've got no doubt Victoria is 
the toughest state of all. Um, you've got arguably, and or anyone that asked me, I'll, I'll, I'll go and go and blue in the face. Damien Oliver's the greatest rider I've ever seen. He's still going around, and I've known Ollie ever since I moved over 20 odd years ago, and I've never seen him hungrier. So he's going to the provincial joints. Um, when he was probably back in his farm, he wouldn't even dreamed he'd be going to. But you've got to go to these places now to, to continue to ride the horses that you do. So you've got Craig Williams going to the provincials during the week. You've got your Damien Lanes and and the and the top top guys. So it's it's never been any more competitive than what it is now. Um, so not getting rides in those races, it's not so much frustrating. It's just it's just the way it is at the moment. If you if you're doing the, the track work, the trials, the jump outs, which are on every day of the week, um, and continue to go to the races, I think you'll find you burn yourself out a lot, lot more, lot quicker. So um, it's just about waiting, waiting for the opportunities to come, and when they come, take them with both hands. So I've got a couple of nice rides on uh, on Saturday. Next Saturday, I've got a I've got a genuine group Group One chance in the Tourac in uh, Quantum Mechanic for Price and. And Kent, so hopefully we can uh, we can get get one over the line, and um, hopefully get get back in the uh, in the camp with some big stables. And is that where you see your your potential best Group One chance over the next month or so? Is that is that or is it the Tasmanian connection? I thought the the run of Newhart was impressive the other day. Is that a is that got a mile Group One in it? Well, I think he's going to run in the if he, if he had a sort of one or or. or been very close to him the other day. He, he may have even went to the tour race, but I think they're going to hold him back and run him in a 1,400 same sort of race he was in the other day on the same day. So it looks a good good race for him, and then you never know. If he comes out and wins that, there's, there's always the mile races throughout the carnival. Um, but like I said at the, at the start of the show, being a natural lightweight, there's always, there's always going to be opportunities because now the door's shut on quite a few riders. Um, but there, there's a couple of horses on. On, on Saturday that I'm keeping a close eye on because I've got my finger right on the pulse to be able to ride them in the Caulfield Melbourne Cup if, if they perform. And I think either one of them is going to be a great ride and, and, and go around probably one of the favourites in them. So you just got to uh, keep the form rolling and keep riding winners and um, hopefully the opportunities will keep coming. Frog, COVID's had a, a big impact on, well, the world, basically, in every industry uh, in Australia. The horse racing industry hasn't been immune to that. Um, and, of course, this year, the lack of international horses making their way out here for the Spring Carnival and the, and the big cups. Do you, do you think it's going to have a real dampener or, or put a real dampener on the, uh, the quality of the racing? Um, and does, do you worry that maybe we're, we're not going to see as good a Spring Carnival as we've seen over the last decade? Uh, as a rider and as a participant, I think it's going to be a big advantage. I think, I think if anything, it's a, it's a positive because apart from the one or two horses that are coming, the Cup's going to stay at home. The Cup hasn't stayed at home for however many years. Obviously, Lloyd Williams is, is a regular at it with, with his imports, but um, I think this year, this year, and you've, you've only got to take, for example, look at, look at Daniel Moore. Um, he hadn't ridden a local Group 1 winner in his career. He's been riding 18 years. He's ridden two in the in the uh, in the space of a week, and and looks to get good opportunities going through the spring on on horses that he may he may not have um, been been on had had 
sort of COVID not been around. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a bonus. I think for people that have got local horses heading towards those races, like for example the little horse I'm riding in the Bart Cummings, win, lose or draw in the Bart Cummings, he may still even sneak into the Melbourne Cup field because it's going to be it's going to be uh, not as strong uh, with the international runners coming. So I think I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. Froggy, just to sidetrack the fallout from the Airbnb Big party question. for other jockeys, has uh, yep. has there been stronger restrictions put on you guys as a result? And I suppose that's probably both at home and at the track. <laughs> I know we've been told not to do it. <laughs> Fair enough, too. It's no, probably it's good just, advice. It's just, just, one of, just one of those things. Um, obviously, it was a little bit unexpected, but, um, yeah, for, for arguably probably three of the top five leading riders in Victoria to um, to be stood down from it, and and my my opinion is the penalties are fair too. Like, like yep. in all honesty, like the racing could have been shut down, simple as that, and every everyone doesn't get a feed. So um, I think uh, I've I've spent my fair share of time in the in the sin bin. So if you uh, do the time, <laughs> you, you do the time. Exactly right. Can we just reflect briefly on your last 20 years? And you've had so many tremendous rides. Um, Miss Andretti, of course. Pompo Ruler looked home halfway down the straight in a cox plate. Roman Arch at 80 to 1. Never forget that. And Australian Cup, Jack. I had 15 each way from memory. <laughs> the New Markets, the Moy Classics, the TJ Smiths, etc. You've won seven or eight Devonport Cups and a thousand Lottie Cups and Hobart Cups. Is there one you can sit back and you really reflect on and was it the was it the group one with Miss Andretti in Europe? Um, tell tell us about your favourite one or two. It's quite funny. Uh, my my uh, my most favourite my most memorable win of of uh, the over I think I've ridden over two thousand winners now. Um, was a a I think it was a bit, back then I think it was about an eight thousand dollar maiden at Deloraine. Uh, it was the only winner I ever rode for my old man. When he when he took out his training license, uh, only ever managed to ride one winner for him. So that that stands out for me um, as as good as anything. But Group Ones, I, I would have to say uh, Lankin Rupee's Manicato win. Um, when I think there was eight horses across the line, with probably short up head separating eight of them. Um, I rode him basically riding like I'd stolen, just, just come out of the gates, put the handlebars down and, and he, he was the same speed, same speed from start to finish and I doubt at the time there would have been a horse, let alone in Australia, in the world that would have sustained the speed he did and hold on. So it was uh, it was a pretty special one. Well, Froggy, we wish you all the best for tomorrow, mate, and everything that comes after that in the Spring Carnival and, and best of luck. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Go get him, Froggy. There you go, Craig. Froggy knew it. Tasmanian jockey back over here in Victoria and a big spring carnival awaits him. We'll be back with more next on Jack and Paney. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today on 1629 SEN Hobart. Jack and Paney with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to Jack and Paney, of course, our number one real estate agent in Tasmania. Self-anointed, appointed, sorry, number one real estate agent in Tasmania. Flush Lithgow is with us. We're about to wrap up the show. Uh, stumps have been called early, boys, and the rain interrupted. First uh, women's test, which first women's How test good. since 2019, Flash, I think. So the girls are up so there good. on the Gold Coast. But uh, wet, 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 wet up there. And unfortunately, we'll have to resume early tomorrow. So... 
A bit of a disappointing there. Start to that one, though, Flash. Yeah, one for one thirty-two. They finished up last night, India. They've, gee, they've got a good batting lineup. They they're do, just actually. just terrific for the for the ladies to to get some real Test cricket. I mean, I've talked to Kristen Beams about this many yep. times, and you know, purists in the the women's game as well would just love to have played four or five day cricket and haven't had the opportunity. And hopefully, going forward, um, they do get more of it because. Look, I think Test cricket in the in the men's game has never been at a better place in a, in a sense. And why, you know, four day cricket? That's five day cricket. That's what the the girls want as well. And let's hope more of it happens. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and what I really like about it is is they've gone the pink ball test. Fantastic. I think the night Test match yep. can be something and look good on TV. The girls it? can do all the time. I yep. think it fits really well. So. Looking forward to seeing some of that tomorrow. No complaints. New coach at Clarence, Jack, of course. We talked about Jeremy Webberley. He, uh, he's taking the job with the Devils, of course. And Peter Ryan, he's an, ex, he's an ex... I was going to say Geelong. He's an ex-Galonky person. Um, so he's the new coach there. So that's interesting. They were in a good spot, Clarence, by the end of the year, weren't they? Playing their best footy. So he's got a good list to walk into. Yeah, he has. I think Jeremy Webberley, we've, we've touched on a few times, he's left them in a really good space. Um and yeah, Peter Ryan will take over the roles. He's been at Clarence before as an assistant when yes. he did finish at Glenorchy. So it's, he's back at the club. He's been there before and he knows the landscape. So I'm sure he'll be excited about the list he's taking over. Well, I should Does be excited Jack... about the uh, the NRL grand final that's coming up, mate. That's uh, right, well, on your, um, right on your look, hit I think list. I'm a bit... We're all Storm fans, aren't we, yes. really down here? So I think after losing last week... Well, I'm, I'm not, no. Who do you back for? Queensland. <laughs> Queensland? <laughs> I only watch State of Origin, Flash. You're, you're, you know... You, Jack, can I tell you something here in private? I think Tim's broader knowledge of some sports is absolutely shocking. I'm just here to tell you. And there's the dear, oh dear. Queensland. <laughs> Queenslander. Yeah, no, very oh, good. Stop fan. it. Uh, they might not even get it going with the COVID situation. They might there. not. No, no, so that's, it's in uh, big trouble. That's a big watch, that one. This is a little one that's just snuck through the radar. Flash, can you run me through the WBBL situation at the moment? Because I've got a few ears on the ground down there that reckon that we might have two teams already in the state. I th- believe that could be the case. And maybe somewhere from the two big states, perhaps, New so, South Wales and Victoria. I know there's some media personnel already down here. There's some uh, people from Cricket Australia that are quarantining, etc. Um, so, look, it's going to be terrific for that four, six weeks down here to have all the cricket all around the state, of course. Not in Burnie. I know we touched on that last week. That's a bit of a shame they couldn't get a game or two, but it's going to be terrific. The, 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 look, the standard, I can't harp on enough. It just gets 5%, 10% better every year. And with the imports the teams have now, it's going to be a terrific time. But, yeah, they're all getting down here, getting in early, quarantining. Um, it's tough, I guess, too, when you're in the hotel for two weeks. You can't do much, can you? You certainly can't. Yep. You can't bowl and bat unless you, I guess you could get a little two-piece out or a tennis ball tape, tennis ball, <laughs> perhaps. But no, it's terrific. And it really is going to be good. Because it's that time of the year, Jack, as well, when there's not a lot of sport happening. Is it? October's a funny one, isn't it? So um, good opportunity to go watch some good cricket. Well, boys, another show, another one down. We saw Flash for the last hour there. So thanks for joining us, Flash. That was good. Got and, me, Dave. Uh, we're uh, well, Paney. We're only going to have you for one more week, and then after that, the uh, the great man will be back steering the show. But that's uh, that's it for this week, boys. We'll be back next Friday at seven a.m. He keeps coming back. He keeps coming back. Kane Corns is up next, and he'll be taking your calls right here on SEN. This is Jack and Paney. Have a great weekend.